Well, good morning and Merry Christmas to each of you. I'm grateful for those who have led us in worship thus far this morning and excited now to share this time with you as we open God's Word together. Today's Word comes from the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke as we continue the Christmas story. In the narrative, Jesus has been born to Mary and Joseph, and they are resting in a stable. And then we read, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. May God bless the reading of this word that it may guide our steps in this week to come and in the new year to come as well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your word and for the promises that it holds for us. Father, I pray that you will take the story of Christmas and entwine it into our lives, that we may walk closer to you each day. We pray all this in the name of Christ Jesus, the babe of Bethlehem. Amen. Well, by now, the presents are open, the Christmas gatherings are probably slowing down, and if they haven't already concluded, and well, the leftovers are in the fridge. And as you ponder what to do with them for the next day or two, you realize that we're on the other side of that big cultural celebration of Christmas. In comparison, it's rather dull. We're left with the cleaning up and thinking about living a leftovers life. What we need is a revolution, a change of heart. Today we conclude our worship series, A Very Beatles Christmas, by listening to the band's hit, Revolution. In this series, we've heard our worship teams lead us through five different Beatles songs, including Here Comes the Sun, The Long and Winding Road, Let It Be, All We Need Is Love, and on Christmas Eve, we heard Happy Christmas. So in this final week, we come now to look at the next stage of our Christmas journey, the What Happens After Jesus Has Been Born story. And as the Beatles song today suggests, we want a revolution. Written by John Lennon and released in 1968, the song Revolution was John's response to the explosive and divisive political issues occurring throughout the world that year. For many years, the band's manager had encouraged them to refrain from commenting on any political issues. However, John Lennon had spent a considerable period of time in India studying transcendental me meditation and thus was detached from the turmoil enveloping the rest of the world. When he emerged, he felt the need to speak to the growing energy of people wanting change. In an interview he did in 1971 about the song, he said, quote, 
I wanted to assure people that it was going to be all right. He also noted to them that revolution was a call to change within yourself. In an interview, he said, most change happens as small steps, a little at a time. John Song called for a change of direction, a change in the way people are thinking. The opening line of the song says, you say you want a revolution? Well, you know, we all want to change the world. That's a strong sentiment, right? We all want our lives to make a difference. We all want our efforts and tasks to amount to something that will bring about a much better life for those who follow us on this earth. We all want to feel like our life matters. And then when we're not here, we have left a worthwhile legacy. We all want a revolution to change the world. That's where we find the shepherds in our gospel reading this morning. The doldrums of shepherding out in the field are well entrenched into their collective minds. It's like the leftovers that are maybe making life a little stale for them. The same hills, the same sheep, the same known risk and schedule and expectations. It's been 400 years since any prophet spoke a new word or any revelation from God they had been seen. So they're tired of the same old thing. I can only imagine that if we were to ask them, they'd tell you they were ready for a change. You know, the shepherds are, are an interesting dichotomy in this story. Considered among some of the lowest regarded laborers in society, they also held one of the biggest responsibilities, which directly impact the most elite of the community. Night after night, for nine or ten months a year, the shepherds lived outside. Outside in nature, outside of town, the outside of the social community. Due to work duties and living with the animals, they rarely met the requirement to be socially or religiously clean. They lived on the fringe of society with little to no voice or influence. Like many minimum wage and underemployed people in our community today, they went largely unnoticed and their concerns were rarely heard. Yet, tending flocks made up a significant portion of the economy in the first century Palestine, making the shepherds an integral and vital part of that society. In addition, the sheep raised on the outskirts of Bethlehem were most likely destined to be temple sacrifices since Jerusalem was just a few miles walk away. Josephus, a first century historian, wrote that besides the lambs that were used for the weekly sacrifices at the temple, the Passover used up to 265,000 lambs. They were used in family sacrifices and for Seder meals. The Passover lamb for each family was called the Lamb of God. And to meet the stringent requirements to be used for the sacrificial rites, they had to take intentional care with each lamb from the time they were born until the time they were taken to Jerusalem for the Passover. When a newborn lamb came into being, it was inspected for any birth defects or blemishes, and then it would be carefully wrapped in strips of cloth to protect it from scrapes or scars and placed in the stone feeding trough to protect it from any harm until a priest could inspect them and until the lamb could walk safely. This intimate and early care of the lamb by each shepherd would bond and endear the animal to his shepherd so the lamb could easily know and follow his shepherd's voice. As we can see, the shepherds were responsible not only for large numbers of animals, but also for very valuable animals, which had to be protected day and night from mishaps and illnesses, Predators and thieves, like the shepherds, we may find ourselves carrying heavy responsibilities, 
or struck in the doldrums of this pandemic or feeling cut off from everything that's important to us or feeling like all we have to look forward to in the new year is more of the same old leftovers. But the shepherds in our Gospels text today show us a real revolution, a transformation. As, we begin, as we've seen, before they were business as usual until one night, a very different night than they expected. They are given an incredible message by angels that the Messiah has been born. The Lamb of God has come and will be wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. The king from the line of David has arrived. It's hard to miss the iconic picture, right? Before Jesus' birth, they were hopeless and filled with fear. There was no source of joy for those stuck on the outside of society. And then the Savior is born. The angel proclaimed the good news and the angel sang and worshipped the newborn Savior. That alone should have been enough to move them from despair to hope and from sadness to joy. But if we look closely at the, at the text, we'll see that they didn't minimize or suppress the good news. Instead, the shepherds chose to explore it, to believe it, to proclaim it, and then to live it for themselves. And I think that's a message for us as they chose to start a revolution starting with themselves. In verse 15, we read, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known unto us. Because they heard the good news, they chose to make a changes that would impact not only their lives, but also begin a revolution that impacted the whole world. In the same way, let's take a closer look and consider how our encounter with Christ this Christmas will help us make positive changes which will impact not only our lives, but our world as well. Just as John Lennon suggests, maybe we start a revolution by choosing to change some things about ourselves. Maybe like the shepherds, we commit to taking the first step from the ordinary and moving towards being extraordinary with just five minutes a day. As we look at the shepherd's story the first Christmas night, we see incre incremental changes which gives us some ideas for our own life. First of all, the shepherds change their routine actions. Instead of their normal routine through the late night hours, the Apostle Luke records that they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who is lying in the manger. Now Luke does not elaborate on how they hurried off. They, um, did they take turns? Did they go out at once? Did they call others over so they could go? We don't know. We do know that the information the angels had shared with them about the baby wrapped in cloths was so compelling that they took action. They wanted to check out the validity of what they had heard. They wanted to be fully present in the moment. If the angels were correct, this child would be the Messiah that had long been awaited, the real Lamb of God. They were willing to change their routine and their plans that night in order to take action on this good news. What about us? What routine action can we change to make a difference in the world? Small changes we may can have a big impact if we keep doing them. One simple action we can take is to change our routine to show up, every, uh, show up five minutes early to every meeting, class, or gathering. We can use this five minutes to pray for whoever we are with in the meeting. Everyone needs to be prayed for, right? In addition, psychology studies show us that when we allow ourselves a few minutes of acclimation time in each new setting, we are more alert, more attentive, 
and more able to engage in the gathering. In contrast, when we rush in, our bodies have to readjust from being in survival mode before it can fully participate. Another idea is to take five minutes each evening and write a note, yes, with pen and paper or an email, offering a word of encouragement to someone you met with or talked to that day. Is there someone you can thank for a gentle kindness? Is there someone who needs a positive word? Did you utter cross words and need to apologize? Your words can make an important change in someone's life. A 2018 study reinforced the truth that it takes seven positive events to affirm one negative event. The Apostle Paul teaches us to encourage one another and build each other up. That's Paul teaching us to take negative circumstances in people's lives and to make them positive ones by offering encouragement. While this is a small action, all of these are ways that we show in our actions and place value on others, their time, their purpose, their lives as God's children. Like the shepherds, we too can hurry off and fully engage with those God has put in our path by starting five minutes early, prepared to see them as God's gift to our day, or by spending five minutes to write them a message of hope and peace. Secondly, the shepherds changed their attitudes. As we mentioned earlier, shepherds were not highly regarded in much of society. Living in isolation away from the townspeople, it would be highly unusual for them to call attention to themselves for, well, any purpose. However, note that what they did immediately after being with Jesus and his parents was what verse 17 says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all that they had been told about them concerning the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They were amazed both at the message and the messenger. In short, the shepherds changed their attitude from being secluded and socially inept to being open and sharing the good news. To accomplish this task, the shepherds would have had to gone to town to see townspeople and encountered strangers. They would have to risk their reputation and speak boldly to people who would usually disregard or even shun them. In thinking about this, I was reminded about a book entitled Nickeled and Dimed by Barbara Enrich. To write the book, the author attempted to live on a minimum wage for three months. During that period of time, she worked in three different cities. She tried to secure affordable housing, went through the classified ads looking and applying for jobs, went through screening and orientation processes. At times, she even seeks help from local nonprofits and federal government agencies trying to make ends meet. Throughout her experiences, she works as a hotel housekeeper, a waitress, a grocery store clerk. She works for the company Maids and for Walmart. Many times she has to work two of these jobs to earn enough money to pay for her rundown motel her hotel room. Throughout the book, Barbara notes that she saw firsthand not only how low-wage workers are looked down on, but also how they often simply are forgotten or ignored. The invisibility of the low-wage workforce is not just an issue of individual thoughtlessness or a lack of empathy on our part. It permeates our media and our social media outlets, alienating low-income workers even more. This description doesn't sound too far off from what we know about the shepherds. But this is where we see the revolution happen. Those who had been invisible, ignored, and dismissed were now being seen and heard. So one change we can make this year because of Christmas is to intentionally see 
and listen to the proverbial shepherds of our society. The wisdom writers of Proverbs teaches us that gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and healthy to the body. So, let's start a revolution by offering words of gratitude, acknowledgement, and grace as our words of greetings to all the laborers. Let's be intentional to speak to and acknowledge the employees in our retail, box, and grocery stores, calling them by name when possible. Let's show appreciation for our city utility workers and civil servants who keep our city working well. Offer words of gratitude to those delivering packages at our door, to medical and uh, education assistants who do so much for us and our children. All it takes to start this revolution is to step out of our comfort zone, to speak to a stranger, and offer God's love and grace to each person we meet. Investing five minutes of our shopping trip or daily routine can begin a revolution of kindness, carrying the message of Christmas, of hope and joy and peace into the new year. Finally, the shepherds changed their attention. Before the angelic messengers arrived, the shepherds went about their daily job and routines, but after their encounter with the Messiah, the shepherd returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The reaction they had was telling. They were not rushing to jump back into life as usual. Scripture specifically points out that they were focused on praising and worshiping God. They were focused on what the new revelation and good news told them about God. We can learn from their example and change the focus and, and our attention as well. While we may be tempted to ride through this last week of the year and enjoy the holiday festivities next weekend before returning to normal, we can choose to revolutionize our days with five minutes of worship and praise each day. You can begin or end the day by thanking God for many ways God has been with you, led you, supported you, been present in your trials and victories. You can sing a song of a hymn you like. Write a journal entry of praise for God's new gifts each day. The psalmist encourages us saying, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Are you ready for a revolution in your own life? Begin by adding a time of personal worship each day and then come and be part of the community gathered on Sunday. Then you, like the shepherds, will return to life in the new year, worshiping and praising God as we begin a new year that God has given us. So you want a revolution? You want to change the world? The opening line of the Beatles song makes an important statement. Life around us is constantly changing, but we have the chance to make a real change, a positive change, and not just let change happen to us. While the steps may be small, they'll add up to real transformation. The shepherd's example after their Christmas experience gives us some idea where we begin. We can start a revolution in our life by changing one simple action, like being five minutes early and praying for the people we'll meet. We can change our attitude by acknowledging each individual and showing them that they are valued, especially those in our society who are often overlooked or ignored. And we can choose to change our attention by focusing on worship and praising God each and every day. While change may be scary, if we begin by taking simple, positive steps, we can begin the revolution in our own lives 
and maybe even offer change to somebody else. We can trust that the one gift of Christmas is Christ's abiding presence to guide us and help us in this change. And as the song says, don't you know, it's going to be all right, all right, all right. And with the Spirit's help, may it be so. Amen.